The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. What a beautiful day today. Welcome in. Here it is on uh, Thursday, the 10th of February. We're going to be talking about laws today. We have a local attorney with us, Laura Baker from the John Day Law Firm. Laura, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. How are you? Doing great. Good to have you with us today. Nice to be here. We're going to be uh, focusing, uh, among other things, uh, cases, injury cases, uh, involving children. Now, are these different from other cases? If if a child is involved, does that change the the laws? It doesn't change the the general laws of negligence when you're talking about somebody making a mistake or um, or taking a negligent act that leads to an injury. That all is generally the same between children and adults, but there are some different differences, excuse me, in cases involving children. For example, uh, when a child brings a claim for injuries, they uh, in court, they either have to bring that claim through a parent or a guardian um, or through what's called a next friend. Um, and, and that just means that because they're not adults, they have to have an adult there to bring the claim for them. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member. Now, do you have a certain amount of time after the incident for this to happen? That's a great question. So in Tennessee, for claims of adults for injuries, the statute of limitations is one year, meaning that you have one year from the date of whatever incident caused your injuries to bring a lawsuit. Um, There are exceptions to every rule. And when it comes to minors, minors actually have until their 19th birthday to bring a claim for personal injuries. Um, So so this is... No matter what, uh, if, if this happened at age five, they have until age 19? They do, um, except I will say when you say no matter what, there's one other variation, which is that because there's usually an adult who is responsible for paying a minor's medical bills outside of the context of an injury, um, in Tennessee, you are safest to file a claim that involves medical bills within that same one-year period that applies to adults because our law generally views the claim for the medical bills as being that of the parents because they are the responsible parties for those medical bills until it's been proven that it's somebody else's responsibility. Let me ask you this because this, this is an interesting aspect of that law. Uh, with with it being this way with children, you have until whenever the incident happened, up until their 19th birthday. Uh, and then a lot of things could happen in that period of time, say, especially if they had the accident at five or six years of age. Uh, something, they, they, they might start having bad back problems or headaches or who knows what. It's a shame adults can't have that same thing because nobody knows after an accident 
uh, when when you're going to have problems and the insurance companies wanting you to sign off and and end this it's true and and honestly there are pros and cons to having more time um if a child's injured at age five sometime between age five and their 19th birthday they might have another injury that causes them additional injury to the same body part or that impacts the quality of their life in a way that lessens the amount or um, detracts from the amount of the the pain and suffering and other consequences of an injury that you're bringing a claim for. Um, So the law does allow adults and minors to put on proof of what the future will hold for them with a particular injury. So for example, if I have to have a knee replacement because my knee was injured in a wreck, I, I may not have that that knee replacement for another three, four, five, seven years. Um, and depending on my age, I might have to have more than one. Under Tennessee law, you can bring that claim for the future knee replacement now. You can bring it in your in your personal injury case that you bring within that that one year period, as long as you have proof that it is likely going to happen. Wow. Um, okay. So well, in a way, we take care it, of it both ways. As long as it's likely going to happen. That's right. It, and if you didn't know it was going to happen, what happens then? Well, if if you end up having a, a procedure or additional damage down the road that wasn't anticipated at the time that you resolved your claim with a trial or a settlement, um, there's no additional compensation that you can get from the person who caused that damage. Um, but generally speaking right now, because pre-existing conditions are covered under people's health insurance, it, as long as you're covered under health insurance, hopefully that would still pick up and at least pay for the medical costs the way that it would if it wasn't from an injury. Okay, now let's go back to the ch- children's cases, uh, which are good up until age 19. Uh, once 19 hits, this, this all goes away. Is that right? That's right. Um, and, and you brought up the point of what can happen in between an injury and age 19. Um, I would say that, uh, generally speaking, if your child is injured, I wouldn't necessarily advise that you wait till age 18 or, you know, right before they turn 19 to bring that claim. I think you should act quickly. Um, to go ahead and start gathering the evidence and documenting the injuries and then making a decision with your lawyer about whether it makes sense to go ahead and pursue your legal action and not wait for the future because, again, something else intervening could happen that would impact how much compensation you could get for that claim. Now, with situations like this, uh, with parents not always knowing what the future is going to bring and with the uncertainty of this world, with uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, the pandemic, what have you, uh, some of them don't have a job. <laughs> and so they are reluctant maybe to bring in some legal advice uh, out of fear of running up a bill. Uh, is this situation, I know in some of the cases, 
the billing is based on whether or not you get uh, a positive outcome. Is it that way on cases like this? That's right. For injury cases for children, it's very much the same as, as for adults in that the vast majority, if not all, of the lawyers that do the work to pursue those claims work on what's called a contingency fee. In other words, you're not going to get a monthly bill for attorney's fees or for the expenses of the case. Instead, the attorney will get paid a percentage of how much money is recovered for the case. So if the case doesn't work out as you hoped, you don't get a bill. That, that's right. At least for, for our law firm, if the case is not successful at the end of the day, um, we don't charge an attorney's fee and we don't charge the case expenses. The reason I brought that up is because with uh, the job market being as it is today, uh, we want to eliminate uh, any, any thoughts you might have of why you want to wait until bringing in legal assistance because this is a this is a pretty serious thing and and uh, you need an attorney representing you I would think um yes it is it's very it's always serious when a kid gets injured even if it's a small injury uh, because they're not adults and they can't protect themselves or act for themselves so um, the sooner that you get a lawyer involved, the sooner that an investigation um, and documentation can start to be gathered to be able to support that claim. And one other thing um, that I run into a lot in my work is that every time I have two small kids myself, every time they go on a field trip or every time they participate in an activity outside my house, I get presented with a waiver of liability saying that I waive, you know, this company or this school or this camp for any kind of injury that might happen to my child. Um, under Tennessee law, even if you sign that waiver, it does not release your child's claim for injuries. Why do they ask you to fill that up? I, I honestly, I can't answer that question because I don't work <laughs> on that side. <laughs> but I can but tell it, you it that. Means I, nothing then. Well, I think there may be a mental block when a parent signs something like that. They may think that that does mean that their child cannot make a claim for their injuries, um, but it's just not true under Tennessee law. You still can. Okay. So, and each law in each, the laws are different for each state then? Well, different states have, have different laws when it comes to that, but certainly in Tennessee, um, an adult parent or guardian is not able to release the claims of their child preemptively before a claim even arises. Now we've heard conversations on the station about uh, young children involved in cases and what have you and these are cases in juvenile court and they have to coordinate everything with a juvenile attorney and ad which is an ad litem I think it is attorney. Uh, is it that way if it's a juvenile whether it's uh, juvenile court or any other case, uh, are those same regulations involved? So, uh, of course, a juvenile court case is different than, um, than a civil case that you would bring for injuries to a child. 
Um, and so the process is, is very different. But in terms of what you were referring to, a guardian ad litem mm-hmm. um, or a, per, a lawyer appointed by the court to help the court determine the best interests of the child, that does occur in injury cases for children sometimes. It's not required, but there may be cases where a child is injured and they are in state custody. And so they need a a guardian ad litem to act in their best interest or help determine their best interest in resolving an injury claim or in pursuing it to a trial and making decisions that, of course, the attorney can't have the the child make those decisions. So there is a, a place for a guardian ad litem in a civil claim for injuries to a minor, but it's not required. If there is a, a guardian or a parent um, that is capable of, of helping uh, make decisions for the child, it certainly doesn't have to have a guardian ad litem. Okay, uh, here's a question from a listener who's asking about uh, situations uh, similar to that. They said they're glad that we're topping, talking on this topic today, uh, and they're wondering about what if a child is accused of something that is ridiculous for a small child to have committed, uh, but uh, a a family member has accused them of doing something. Uh, What should you do in cases like that? Uh, Would that be juvenile court? What would it be and how could they be sure to protect the child's rights? That's a really good question. Um, When it comes to being accused of something that could potentially be a crime um, or a violation of law um, that is that implicates some criminal issue, that would be juvenile court and really outside my area of expertise. But I can tell you that for a civil case, it's not uncommon to have a claim where you are Um, alleging that a child committed an act of negligence and that they caused an injury um, or a child who is injured is is alleged to have some fault in causing their own injury. Um, In Tennessee, we have what what we commonly call the rule of sevens. Um, In the civil context, not juvenile court or criminal, Um, But in the civil injury claim context, um, a child who is under the age of seven is is not negligent as a matter of law. A child under the age of seven, probably because generally children under the age of seven are are negligent, right? I mean, they're learning how to be (laughs) functioning adults. So the law says they, they cannot be capable of negligence because they don't have a duty to act responsibly. Um, A child over the age of seven, between seven and 14, they are presumed not to be negligent under the law, but that presumption can be overcome by evidence that the child was capable of acting reasonably and and didn't. Um, And then for a child 14 or older, they under Tennessee law are capable of negligence the same way as an adult. And that's That's again in the injury context. Now, I'm, the reason I say that's inter- interesting is because we've had educators on talking about a child's mind has not fully developed until they're, uh, I think, a male child in their 20s. Women develop their minds earlier, uh, but I don't think that that's when you're a teenager, uh, on maybe early 20s, maybe 19. Uh, so you're saying that the laws say 
in many cases, if you're 17 or older, hey, we think you've developed. And and really 14 or older 14, in, okay. in this context of negligence. And and I, I think there, there truly are children who, who aren't capable of negligence or understanding that they've been negligent who are over that age. But if you think about the fact that we have lots of teenage drivers on the road, some of them as young as 14, um, many of them more in the 15, 16, 17, 18 year old range, um, they have been entrusted with a vehicle um, and they have gone through the courses and learned how to be a safe driver. And so a claim against them would proceed just like a claim against an adult um, with one distinction, which is that in order for a teenage driver to get their license, a parent or guardian has to sign an affidavit accepting financial responsibility for that child's negligence while they are under the age of 18. So if they are involved in a, a case uh, in which they were driving the car and perhaps were looking at the floor or playing on their cell phone uh, and cause an accident, a serious accident, uh, that's a serious consequence for the child as well as the parents. That's correct. Parents, I don't think, always think that. I don't think so either. I think it's one more form sometimes that you sign as a parent and and don't necessarily know what the legal impact of it is when you're signing it. But that is a requirement under Tennessee law. Okay, we're going to pause for just a moment and then we'll be back and continue the conversation. Local attorney Laura Baker is with us. She's from the law firm of John Day. And we're going to be continuing our conversation about the injury cases involving children and how they're different and some of the things you, especially as parents or guardians, need to keep in mind. If you have a question dealing with this topic, you can call us or you can text us all at 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. We're the Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays from 1 to 4. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Broadway County's place to talk. Luxuriously designed, exquisitely detailed, first in its class, corner to corner, a true work of art, capable of going from zero to $300,000 in a few seconds flat. Are we talking about a sports car? Oh no, we're talking about Jumbo Bucks Premium Edition Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. So test drive the new gold standard in instant tickets today. The Tennessee Lottery, game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Looking for something to take your mind off this traffic? How about a true story of instant success? Did you hear about the two friends who went grocery shopping in the Ashland City and picked up everything on their list plus $75,000? Or the one where a truck driver made a last-minute stop off Interstate 40 and drove off with a cool million? All their lives changed in an instant, and yours could too. So stop by your local retailer for your chance with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, life-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Good morning. It's heavy, but it's still moving 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. Lots of radar up and down. Certain sections of 840 this morning. Be careful, especially headed over towards Franklin. Warmer weather is waiting for you at Pensacola Beach. Book your next getaway. PensacolaBeach.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? 
Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to demasfamilykitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to demasfamilykitchen.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with Glenn King, and you're a World War II veteran. During World War II, it's different than any of the other wars that we've had since. The youth of America couldn't wait until they're old enough to enlist in the armed forces, and the war was coming to an end, and I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. How old were you when you actually enlisted? Barely 17. You also served in Korea as well. The big thing that I remember during the Korean War, I was assigned to a Marine Corps fighter squadron, VMF-144. There were two very important people there that were left over from World War II. They thought there would never be another war, so after the war ended, since they were pilots, they would stay in the reserve and once a month have a lot of fun flying the fighter planes around. They were two baseball players. One was Jerry Coleman, and then the other one was Ted Williams. You got to meet Ted Williams. Yes. What, yeah. what was he like? Very personal. You know, he was an officer and I was enlisted, so we didn't get to mingle with each other. Yes. Ted Williams was a fighter pilot in World War II. During the Korean War, Ted Williams was the wingman for John Glenn. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Happy birthday to Debbie Clemens. Debbie is the winner of our delicious banana pudding from the Slick Pig. She's the birthday club winner today. Debbie Clemens, if you see Debbie today, be sure and wish her a happy birthday. Also, congratulations to John Verge. John is our good neighbor of the day, and he'll be receiving flowers from... All the folks, Jenny Harris and the family over there at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. John Verge always helping at the Boys and Girls Club of Rutherford County. And if you know John, he's always helping everywhere. John Verge, we thank you. Welcome back. Laura Baker is our guest this morning. She is an attorney with the law firm of John Day. And we're talking today about uh, cases, injury cases in particular, but uh, just really any cases involving juveniles. 
what is a juvenile? We, we haven't really gotten, we've sort of jumped all around that, but what is a juvenile? Well, uh, and again, limited to the context of a civil case for, for injuries, I think it's any, any child under the age of 18. Okay, so that's, that's uh, the, the big point there. Uh, now, we've talked about the amount of time you have to bring a case forward. Let's say you have a settlement in a case. Are the settlements in which juveniles are involved, are they different from other settlements? They are different um, because when you're dealing with a child under the age of 18, they don't have the ability to enter into contracts. They're not adults. So, and a settlement agreement at the end of the day really is a contract. Um, and so under Tennessee law, you have to have any settlement for a minor child approved by the court, even if their parent or guardian or a guardian ad litem has recommended agreeing to that settlement. And, and the parent and guardian would have a lot of, of authority to reach that agreement. Um, but ultimately, it has to go before a court to determine whether or not the settlement is in the best interest of the minor child. Um, and that is just to make sure that children are getting appropriate compensation for their injuries under the circumstances of a particular case. And then one other reason that it has to go in front of the court is because um, it's involving money that really belongs to the minor. Um, and so the court has oversight over what happens to that money. It doesn't necessarily just go into the, the parent's bank account. The money is only for the benefit of that child. And so really I'd call it the default rule is the money gets paid into the court clerk and the court clerk will invest it in interest bearing accounts until the child turns 18 and they get the money. Um, but the court can also approve other arrangements as well. Let's take a phone call. Good morning. You're on WGNS with attorney Laura Baker. How are you today? Great. Bart, how are you? Doing fine. Thank you for listening. Good. Uh, this is Don Ash. I was, t I was listening to your radio show and years ago, back when I was practicing law, I had a case where a little boy was in a car wreck out on Halls Hill Pike, and uh, he was in a Jeep. It was a CJ5, and back then, the design of Jeeps had a really narrow wheelbase, and so it, they had a tendency to flip over. So thought a products liability case, but the interesting thing about it, which applies to what you're talking today, the parents did not come and see me about the wreck till more than a year had gone by. Well, normally the statute of limitations on a car accident is one year, but the baby in the back seat, in the car seat, had his arm severed, Ooh. and his statute of limitations had not run yet. He has a different statute of limitations because he's a minor, and so we were able to get a, a structured settlement for him, and he received money, I guess still is, uh, for the rest of his life, payments out on a structured settlement. But, uh, I thought that was interesting. It might relate somewhat to your topic about when when lawsuits can be filed for the benefit of, uh, of juveniles. Very definitely, Judge Ash. Thank you for the, for your comments on that. Yeah, y'all have a great day. You too. And thank I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate Mr. Day's office. They're really really fine lawyers, and anytime they've always appeared in front of me, they've always been re-prepared, so I like prepared lawyers. So, <laughs> have a good day. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Judge. And I was going to say, you just uh, prompted me to think of one other variation on the deadline for a minor to be able to bring a claim. Um, 
in addition to the statute of limitations, which is what we discussed, the one year or the 19th birthday, Tennessee also has what are called statutes of repose, um, which are statutes that say no matter when an accident happened, no matter when your injury occurred, there can never be a claim for this after a certain amount of time. Um, and where that impacts minors, where I've seen it have the biggest impact is in a medical malpractice or medical negligence case. There's a three-year statute of repose. And so if your child is injured at birth or, um, or if your child is injured because of a negligent act of a medical provider, even if you don't discover that injury until years later, um, most of the time, unless there is an exception that applies, the three-year statute of repose would prevent you from being able to bring a claim for that child. So uh, Judge Ash reminded me to mention that one other important variation. And another reason why you shouldn't wait till, you know, 16, 17, or 18 to start thinking about whether or not you have a case because you want to get very specific advice on the deadline in the context of the case that you're looking at. Here's a listener's text, and it's dealing with something that they did not know was going to happen, and they are not certain that it's related to the uh, accident in which uh, their now 16-year-old child, and they said this happened, the accident was about eight years ago. Uh, they were sitting in the back seat of the car when someone rear-ended them at a very high speed. And now the child has some back pain, uh, pretty severe back pain they're describing. And they're wondering if this is a part of the rear end collision, and they can't imagine why it would not be, what would they need to do to bring this up again? Because they have signed off on that case. Well, um, it sounds to me if, if you say you've signed off on the case that there has been a settlement and that this is one of those circumstances where something came up years later that you didn't anticipate was going to happen before. Um, and if there has been a settlement of that claim for that child and it has been approved by a court, then chances are there's no additional claim to be brought. Um, but let me give the caveat that um, if you think that there is an injury and you're not certain that you have resolved that claim or that you can no longer bring that claim, I don't think there is any reason you shouldn't go ahead and call a lawyer and have them look at the specific details of the case and the timeline and give you um, a, an, an opinion about whether or not you can still pursue any kind of legal action for it. And you bring up an interesting point there. If you have agreed that uh, everything is finished and everything, if do you sign off on everybody in the vehicle? Uh, if if it's uh, you know obviously an adult driving, uh, a child is not driving the car. Uh, does the insurance company sign off only with the adult driving, or do they? expect the uh, sign off to include a, a little child sitting in a booster seat in the back every if there's a settlement every um, individual who has an injury or a claim would get a separate settlement so they resolution. would have had to have claimed an injury that's right they would have had to claim an injury and this goes back to that court approval process that we talked about 
Um, if there was a settlement for the child and it didn't go in front of a court for approval, then I think there's a pretty good argument that the case wasn't really settled because part of the reason that a case goes before a judge to be approved is so that the judge can determine that that settlement does fully and finally resolve all claims. Um, so if there wasn't that court approval process, that's one other thing that an attorney would want to look at to determine whether or not the case truly was settled for that child for all time. Okay, our phone number again, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. Uh, here's another text. This is pretty different. I've never heard this before. The person says they were shopping in a store uh, using a grocery cart in the store their child was of an age that they were in the grocery cart and some items fell and they are not sure what caused them to fall. Might have been the child and uh, the child uh, had, uh, you know, a slight injury, nothing big. But now, several years later, uh, they're concerned that uh, some of the problems the child is having may have been caused by those items falling. Uh, what can they do or should they do anything? Well, I, I think my advice is always going to be you should call a lawyer and run the specific facts and let the lawyer follow up on questions. But some of the things that would come to mind for me for that particular fact scenario would be, is there any documentation that that that, that event occurred? Because if there's going to be a dispute to begin with that there, that there was even an incident, um, then you may years later not have what you need to be able to show that it in fact happened. Um, and then of course, understanding what it was that fell and what proof you have about why it fell and whose fault that is would all be important to determining whether or not that's a case that could be pursued. Let's take another call. Good morning, you're on WGNS with Laura Baker. Hello? Did you have a question? I guess not. I think they hung up. Our number is 615-893-1450. Let me mention, uh, when you call in, we do put you on hold, and you have to sort of wait patiently until we finish one topic, and then we'll come to your topic. So a lot of people expect you to jump in and answer the question uh, immediately. So 615-893-1450. If you have a question or comment today, 615-893-1450. Uh, what about, uh, and this is a, another text question. This person says, my child has been accused of some wrongdoings at school. It's on school property and it was during school time. Uh, we're concerned with this because it could look bad on their record in the future. Uh, since they are a juvenile, does that stay on their records for a long period of time? I don't think I can speak to how long that would stay on their record for um, for school. That would be something to ask a lawyer who focuses on education law or maybe even juvenile law. Um, and, and really, it could be a question you ask the school um, or look at their policies and handbook or whatever sorts of procedures they have in place. Um, but that does... Um, does bring to mind that sometimes there are cases against schools for injuries that are caused by one child um, to another. 
Um, and one of the, the things that we look for in a case like that is whether the child does have any record with that school of having problems before. And what was the school aware of and on notice of with regard to the specific child who caused an injury. Um, that proof can be really important to showing that the school should have done something differently than they did um, to prevent an injury to a child who is hurt at school. Now, this is the way my mind works sometimes. This listener had that question and you were answering that and it ran through my mind. Earlier in the show, you were talking about Tennessee law being different from other law. With so many people moving into our community from other places, other states, uh, if that accident, and, and they don't say this, but if that accident occurred in a different state and the child is living in Tennessee when these problems are occurring now, uh, what state's laws are you going to use? <laughs> Generally speaking, for, for an injury claim like we're talking about, it's going to be the law of the state where the injury occurred. Ah, okay. um, but just like anything else in the law, and the reason we lawyers have jobs, <laughs> um, is that I can say with certainty that it always depends. Okay. <laughs> this is, you know, if you're saying to yourself, I think I can represent myself on this. Man, I'm, I'm, as I hear these questions and the more we do programs dealing with laws, it is so complex. Do they do that on purpose? Or why is it so complex? Maybe the lawyers have designed it so we can't go out of business. <laughs> no, it is. And every case and every fact pattern and every situation brings up different parts of the law. And um, there's not always a black and white answer. There's plenty of gray. That's why we have lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, every time legislators come up with a new law, I think in most cases their intent is to make it better for everybody, make it safer, make it fairer. But as they come up with new laws, that may make it more difficult, certainly more challenging. We're going to pause for just a moment. If you have a question, we'll be entering the final segment of the show. So give us a call. Don't wait until that last minute happens. Uh, go ahead and text us or call us. And you can do both at the same number, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. Local attorney Laura Baker is with us from the John Day Law Firm. We'll be right back. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local, you want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett, it's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your pet and your feathered friend needs. We also have a great gift department with wonderful great gift ideas. And always we have what you need for the farm or the garden. And in our clothing department, we have our Carhartt clothing line. And for ladies, we have our MG Carhartt. And we also have our wonderful muck boots. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com. 
Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. When it comes to your home, memories and sentimental value are priceless. Farrah Construction can remodel your home or can update your kitchen, bath, or other rooms. I'm Ron Hall. If you can dream it, Farrah Construction can turn it into reality. Call Farrah Construction at 615-893-6120. That's Farrah Construction. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the upper 50s. West winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and a low near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. Chuck Gandy with Gandy Seafood Company. This Valentine's Day, cook something special for your sweetheart, like stuffed lobster tail, bacon wrap, bourbon glaze, sea scallops, jumbo lump crab cakes, grouper or red snapper imperial. Gandy Seafood Cajun Market. Make this Valentine's Day extra special. Memorial Boulevard, across from Sportscom. Join me, America's career coach Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. Welcome back. We are in the final segment of the show. So if you have a question dealing with laws involving juveniles, give us a call or text us. 615-893-1450. Local attorney Laura Baker is with us this morning from the John Day Law Firm. Again, our phone number 615-893-1450. And we have learned this morning that laws are different, uh, especially different for juveniles. And you have a little bit longer time, but I would guess in any situation, you don't want to wait until you find out you messed up and you don't have as much time as you thought you'd have. That's right. Um, Getting an early start on investigation and documentation and also just making sure that you're being diligent about following up on any injuries or medical treatment. All of those things will work um, to help the minor at the end of the day to get the appropriate and fair compensation for their injuries under the the circumstances of any particular accident. So um, waiting for for adults and minors um, to figure out your legal options is usually not going to give you as much time as you might like to have to put all the pieces together. You know, this is a different world from what we had 20 or 30 years ago. You're talking about the importance of documentation. Uh, If it's an accident in a store or if it's an automobile accident, one thing we all, or most of us have, I think nowadays, is a recorder and a camera with us at all times. We may not think about it that way, but your cell phone, especially a smartphone, is a camera and it's also a recorder. Should you, and is it admissible in court, uh, pictures and sound from whatever the incident is? It it could be. I was going to say, I grew up uh, when we still had to develop film (laughs) 
for our photos. Um, so it is interesting to have grown up having to take my um, photographs to be printed out to see what they look like later to this new world that we're in where I have far too many photographs of everything on my phone. But um, but yes, photographs, um, you mentioned a car wreck. We use photographs in just about every car wreck case. Um, I would think that it would be rare that there would be sound on your cell phone from a wreck because you shouldn't be on your cell phone. <laughs> when I, what I was thinking about, uh, and this is, again, a weird mind, uh, talking to uh, witnesses. I mean... You're right there before anybody is there. If you turned on your recorder on your cell phone and you just wanted to be sure, are, are you okay? Do you feel okay? Uh, even if, if they were possibly the ones who caused the accident, uh, is it good to have their voice saying, I'm feeling fine. I, you know, Don't worry. Go, go back to your car and, and, and rest yourself until the officer gets here. Um, it very much would depend on whose voice had been recorded because we have, um, believe it or not, complex rules about what constitutes hearsay and what is not hearsay and what can be admissible in court and not admissible in court. Um, but with the advent of body-worn cameras on our uh, police officers these days, that is certainly one piece of evidence that we procure in a case from time to time is what is on the officer's camera that might be helpful or hurtful um, to an injury case. So if you did take a lot of pictures just for your own files and took some sound, uh, made some recordings, are they going to ever say you have uh, jeopardized, you've, you've crossed the line, you've infringed on their right of privacy, and then, and then they sue you? Uh, is that, uh, this is a strange thought, but I've heard stranger things happening. Well, I think it's generally a good idea if you're in a wreck and you're not so horribly injured that you cannot to take a photograph of the other car, take a photograph of your car, take some photographs at the scene. Again, if you're incapacitated or need to be in an ambulance or very injured, that's not going to be something that you can realistically do um, and that shouldn't be your first focus right your first focus should be getting the medical help that you need um, but otherwise if you have that camera on you definitely take pictures um, if you put turn on your recorder on your phone and start recording what people say um, I believe that in Tennessee, there, we only have to have consent of one party to a recording. Um, but I think the rules are kind of complicated depending on who you're recording. Um, and I don't know if that, I don't know that that would lead to um, a lawsuit for an infringement of, of right to privacy. Um, some constitutional lawyers that are <laughs> that are listening out there might have a different opinion, but um, I don't know that anybody would really take up that case. Sort of a, a complicated world we live in it today. A lot of these uh, things that are uh, smartphones that are, make it easier on us sometimes give us some mountains to climb, too. <laughs> that is very true. We have about a minute left in the program. Uh, if you would sort of summarize what people need to do and what would be good to, if, if you were carrying something away from our broadcast today, what should you carry away? 
I would, I think if there's one overarching thing that I would carry away from this um, today is that when children are injured, number one, don't assume that you've given up their right to bring a claim just because you've signed a piece of paper. Um, and then number two is, um, of course, get them immediate medical attention, but then it's never too early to start talking to a lawyer about what their legal rights might be so that you can start acting in the best interest of that child to get them the compensation that is fair for what has happened to them. Very good. We want to say a special thank you to local attorney Laura Baker with the John Day Law Firm for joining us today and explaining this uh, very unique uh, situation that uh, that our laws have created <laughs> and everybody can work your way through. Hopefully, hopefully you won't have to work your way through any of those. But if you do, maybe some of this information can help you out. Laura, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Truman is next right after the news. Right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS Murfreesboro.